This week on Show Me Your News, Diddy Kong, Music Quality, and the Subspace Army. We cover them all in this week's rundown. One more week, one more newcomer to Super Smash Bros. Brawl. This time it's Donkey Kong's pal, Diddy Kong. What possibilities lie with this character? And now that one shoo-in has made it into the roster, what are the chances for other such characters? Even though it's been a few weeks since we've been presented with a stage, we were given Smashville's music sample this week, and it's called Go KK Rider. However, this song seems rather synthesized in comparison to the others. How important is fully orchestrated music for the success and standing of this game? The adventure mode of the Subspace Emissary got fleshed out a bit more this week as we were introduced to the Subspace Army and Petey Piranha as a boss. What does this mean for the development of the story and for characters' inclusions in Brawl? This week on Who's In, Sariku Uchiha sets his sights on the first of Nintendo's Big 3. That's right, Metroid Prime 3 Corruption ships this Monday, and we look at the franchise's two best hopefuls to make the Brawl roster cut. That's right, Ridley and Dark Samus get the Sariku review. This week's Brawl viewpoint comes to us from Super Smash Master, and it centers on Japan-only characters in Brawl. These characters are quite unknown to other audiences, but because of their exposure in Smash, they can become quite the opposite. We'll hear who he likes to make the cut in the Brawl roster. Masahiro Sakurai, I implore you to... Show me your news! This is Show Me Your News, a Super Smash Bros. Brawl discussion podcast. All support comes from Smash World Forums at smashboards.com and from the Smash Brothers blog at www.smashbrawl.com. And now, here's your host Yoko with Well now, greetings Smash fans, welcome to Show Me Your News, your weekly weekend podcasting source recapping the biggest news in anticipation of Super Smash Bros. Brawl. My name is Yoko, and I'm here this week to go over the news from the past week for you all in audio format. Today is August 26th, and this is week 8 of the podcast. Next week, so you all know, there might be small changes in the podcast and maybe even a minor delay, as I'm changing locales to Ann Arbor at the University of Michigan, and my move-in happens to be next weekend. So you'll have to bear with me and realize that I do have a life and time constraints as well. In the near future though, look for Show Me Your News to be featured on the Super Smash Brothers blog and you'll soon be able to download the podcast through iTunes and onto your iPod thanks to our wonderful moderator support over at Smash World Forums. So let's get things started and dive right on into... The Rundown I'm going to start the rundown off this week, recapping those updates not making the Show Me Your News cut. Monday's update gave us Link's special moves. All of his special moves. Now this is what these updates should be. Learning an up B and a neutral B is nice, but when you're given the information like we were on Monday, it's worthy of a... Now that's what I'm talking about! We got every special move of Link's, and his claw shot grab. Sure, while things have changed to fit the Twilight Princess theme, like the Claw Shot and the Gale Boomerang Side B, a lot of things have stayed the same. One move that's been slightly altered is that the Spin Attack can now be charged up. Could this possibly be used in Vertical Recovery, sacrificing Falling Distance as you charge in exchange for increased Vertical Distance? We'll have to keep an eye on it in the future. 
Regardless, this hopefully will be the benchmark of how all special move updates will be in the future. The other update not making the cut is Yoshi's Final Smash, entitled Super Dragon. Our favorite... Dinosaur? Gets what he's always dreamed of, aerial dominance in the Smash world. He seems to have grown wings that are each bigger than his body, allowing him to fly around the skies. What's more, Yoshi can also breathe fire a la Bowser and shoot out fireballs at will. Once again though, just like Pikachu's final smash, Volt Tackle, make sure that you are aware of the timing involved in the attack so that you aren't sent careening over the edge when your aerial rain runs out. I've gotta say, this attack is a nice touch for Yoshi fans. Sure, it's not a stampede of multicolored Yoshis, but it's probably the next best thing, that's for sure. Now let's get to that update goodness. Three words escaped from my mouth Wednesday morning. It's about time. That's because none other than Diddy Kong has arrived on the Smash scene. For a personal Yoko's opinion regarding Diddy Kong, I'm not the biggest Diddy fan. And by that I mean I just don't find his appearance in a lot of the recent Mario related games, especially the sports related ones, to be that vital, as I just usually ignore him altogether. I could care less, he's just a smaller DK to me in those games. However, before you go ripping me as a Diddy hater, I definitely agree with the fact that Diddy had to be in this game, no question. Going with a single DK franchise representative three games in a row was completely out of the question. So in essence, I'm not the biggest Diddy supporter, and it doesn't make the game for me just because he's in it, but I couldn't agree more that Diddy was one of those characters that just had to make the cut this time around, with no excuses. To put it as Sariku Uchiha said two weeks ago on Who's In, Diddy Kong is a shoo-in. And all potential worries have now been dashed for those Diddy fanatics. But really, should there have been any worries to begin with? Regardless, we surprisingly didn't really get a whole lot of information with this update. All Sakurai told us is that screenshots fail to truly capture the way he moves, and that his rocket barrel boost and peanut pop gun will be among his move repertoire. I don't know about you all, but the rocket barrel boost doesn't sound like anything else other than an upbeat recovery move, giving Diddy a short rocket boost as he tries to grab that ledge. In addition, the peanut pop gun sounds like a side B move to me. I mean, Sakurai wouldn't specifically cite these names if they were just non-special attacks, would he? Diddy is going to be an interesting character, that's for sure. Obviously we'll see more and more of that in the weeks to come. But the true intrigue of the update comes in how Sakurai is handling and will be handling these shoo-in characters. Here's the deal though, just how many of these shoo-in characters are left? Part of me thinks that Diddy was the last real shoo-in, there was no excuse for him not to be in this game as a playable character, but for the other characters, there's something that just might hold them back from being a playable character. Here's what I mean. King DDD, by all means, is a shoo-in. He's an immensely popular character with the Japan audience, and he is Sakurai's creation. But that's just the problem. He is Sakurai's creation. We've seen Sakurai be very modest in how he handles the Kirby franchise in the Smash Bros. realm. Kirby's been flying solo representing the franchise for the past two games now, and with the addition of Meta Knight and Brawl, would it be like Sakurai to just triple his own personal characters like that? Indications say that Sakurai might be too modest like that, but it's a frail argument when it's compared to the fact that he's also trying to make this the fans game. When a character such as DDD is as requested as much as he is, Sakurai is just going to have to put aside his own personal scruples. This is an internal conflict. Sonic the Hedgehog, by all means, is a shoo-in. He's the most popular character request here in the United States, especially with the infamous EGM April Fool's joke that has never died conceptually. But here's the problem. Gaming politics. Rights. Legal crap like that. That's all that's holding Sonic back. 
The third-party issue is a big deal because of all the issues that have to be resolved with Nintendo and Sega to allow the move to proceed. Hopefully their debut together at the Olympics, which is being released before Brawl, hints at political tensions dying. But yet, Sonic fans have had this on their minds a thousand times, so I'll spare you the details. This is an external conflict. Ridley, our favorite space dragon, by all means is a shoe-in. He's the next in line, so to speak, to brawl on behalf of the Metroid franchise, a franchise Sakurai has specifically stated he wants more representation from. However, what's holding him back? Well, we'll get to that later in the podcast. All that we know is that this is an in-game conflict. The smallest things. That's what's holding back these shoe-ins. We're waiting, we're anticipating, and Sakurai has it all in his mind. In due time, though, we'll see what the Mind Games Master has in store for us, his Smash Peons. I know I consider it a low priority, but as most of you can deduce from the Yoko Unplugged segments, I'm a big music buff. So, you get to hear me discuss Brawl's music, alright? Good. I've wanted to get this out there for some time now, but Thursday's second of two updates, Super Dragon being the first, gave this topic its place in the rundown. Go KK Rider was the next music sample revealed for this game, being paired along with the Animal Crossing stage of Smashville. And it sounds something like this. Ugh, what is that? That just left a bad taste in my mouth from the start. Hopefully that doesn't loop. Anyway, here's the melody. Jeez, could that really sound any more synthesized? Now that just cracks me up. Too bad they didn't have more of that. Overall, I like the song, but then again, I do like most of the songs. But there is definitely one big problem. The synthesized nature of the song samples so far. I'll put it right out there, and I think I'm speaking for the music enthusiasts as a whole here. When the final build of this game is released, these songs need to be fully orchestrated. The well-done midis that we're hearing now just won't cut it. In fact, some people say that the quality of the songs so far have been less than the quality of Melee's soundtrack. Melee had only a couple of tracks that sound actually live recorded, Corneria and Fountain of Dreams. But even still, there were tracks in Melee that were well done midis as well, and they seem to even be better than Brawl's tracks so far. Now, I realize it's possible to be overreacting, as the samples we're getting on the website could be some sort of demo that they will be recording in studio before the game is released. And hopefully this is true, because from day one of the website's updates, Sakurai has pushed the importance of music in the game, with 36 composers he's recruited for what will hopefully be the most memorable game music experience of any video game ever. But like with any secret about this game, there are lingering doubts. Part of me wonders then, why are they putting forth so much effort to create something that's just a demo? How can they reproduce sounds such as the Yoshi or in the live recording? Then why does Sakurai make comments such as, you might imagine it to be a bit forced, but I think it sounds quite good, when that specific song is nothing more than a sample of a live recording to come? There are just so many questions, and not enough answers. Believe it or not, music has been the primary flaw in Nintendo's big games the past several years, and there couldn't be a better example of this than in the most recent masterpiece for the Wii, 
The Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess. This game, like Brawl, seems like it was taking forever and a day to make, and then it was released to be just about perfect. However, there was one distinct flaw that game critics were all too quick to point out. Aside from the ridiculous comments that lack of voice acting hurt the game even though it's cliche for the Zelda franchise not to have voice acting, the only real critique of Twilight Princess was its MIDI-based music. Where's the live orchestration? What's up with that music? Is that seriously MIDI? They said. Even though it sounded great in my opinion, it still wasn't a live recording. Yes, MIDI-based music makes it easier to queue up to in-game events, as this was totally evident with Twilight Princess's boss fights, but the live recordings add a whole other level of aura to the music. A MIDI cannot capture the emotion that goes along with a live performance. That's blatantly obvious. What's more obvious is that if Brawl wants to be cemented among the best games of all time, live orchestrated recordings are vital. Listen to the Brawl theme again from the first trailer. Now that's what I'm talking about! If the musicians' efforts are going to be essentially forgotten by plugging their talents into a computer, then it's just a shame. Get some actual musicians to play and bring that music to life. Because I know we all want our epic battles when it comes down to it, don't we? And a few synthesized pads here and there just won't cut it to give it that climactic showdown feel. Well, I'll tell you, is it just me, or is the subspace emissary looking greater and greater the more we find out? On Tuesday morning, we were officially introduced to the subspace army, who are under the command of the ancient minister, who looks like a royal hovering salt shaker with glowing eyes. Those guys, as we so love to dub them, are really just mindless drones called the Primid, and Sakurai claims that they come in many variations. We get a 47 second video to accompany this update, and it shows the ancient minister arriving as... He drops the bomb. No, 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 no. A subspace bomb. Robotic operating buddies flank each side of the bomb to start the timer. Three minutes and the place is swallowed in subspace. Got it? Good. You want to play as Mario to save the stadium? Tough. He's knocked into oblivion as a cannonball sends him flying. And hey, why are Zelda and Peach locked up in cages? Surely this is a setup for some sort of fight. Oh, great. Petey frickin' Piranha. I'm not one for Mario platforming games, so I really don't care what his backstory is in Super Mario Sunshine, but I really hate Petey Piranha. It doesn't matter to me what infested waters he came from, but the big dumb plants, I gotta go. And is it really any surprise that with all the cameos he's been making in Nintendo games as of late that he would be in Brawl in some form as well? Well, there he is roaring his oversized head off at you, holding two princesses captive in cages, and you're the powerful pink puffball who has to save the day. Now that sounds like a boss fight to me. Well, we didn't know for sure that it was a boss fight on Tuesday. All we got in terms of reactions was, Oh my god, PD confirmed! If it wasn't for Friday's update, I'd be stuck here telling you that the Mario franchise, as vital as it is to Nintendo's success, is already swamped with playable characters. I'd be stuck here telling you that PD's size was absolutely ridiculous compared to Kirby's, and he could not be a playable character if he was that size. And yeah, I'd probably be stuck here venting my overall dislike for the mutant flower. But we do have Friday's update. Sakurai opens with, in Super Smash Bros. Brawl, the subspace emissary, it's rumored that there will be boss appearances. This time, I'd like to introduce the first boss you encounter, PD Piranha. Hallelujah! A boss and not a playable character. Right? Regardless, he throws a tantrum like the ridiculous weed he is and slams the cages about trying to harm you. 
Hey man, watch out for those precious goods. Basically, it appears that for this boss battle, you have to attack the cages to try to set the princesses free within the three minutes before the subspace bomb goes off. Or else what happens? Yeah, look at that last screenshot on Tuesday's update. Kaboom. Now, with bosses confirmed for the single-player adventure, this expands the story so much more. It could ideally branch in varying directions. For example, where the story goes from the first boss fight depends on which princess you save, if you save both, or if you fail to save any. This seems like a mode that you're going to have to play many times to unlock all the different paths of the story, and the different paths of the story could yield different methods of unlocking different characters. And that's much better than going through Melee's adventure mode 25 times, now isn't it? Which bosses do I think would make good additions to the story? One that comes to mind immediately for me is Andros from Star Fox, keeping with the theme of having the boss character in the background as he attacks just like Petey Piranha. For the Zelda franchise, it's hard to say since Ganon is so prevalent in every adventure. Beast Ganon from Twilight Princess would be a nice touch though if he isn't used as Ganondorf's final smash. For the next oft-represented franchise, Pokemon, well, that's hard to say. There's no real enemy in Pokemon, just certain species that they claim are evil, i.e. Mewtwo to name a prime example. I would have said Deoxys, but he's already an assist trophy. And for Metroid. No. Don't even say it. I know this update doesn't really help his cause, but so what? Yes, yes, I know his boss battle music is going to be specifically used in the game somewhere. Do you really think that Sakurai is going to deny his fans what should be a shoo-in character? Hey, I'll tell you what, I think a good boss from Metroid would be Metroid Prime, and if you want to throw in a transformation to Dark Samus in there, by all means, be my guest. Because if all Ridley ends up is, is a boss, albeit a freaking sweet boss, then that's just a bloody shame. But we'll see who we get to beat up on in due time. Here's to the Subspace Emissary's glorious development. Cheers. And that does it for the rundown. It's time to now go over characters' chances with... Who's In? This week on Who's In, Sariku Uchiha sets his sights on Metroid Prime 3 Corruption as it ships tomorrow. Without further ado, here's Sariku with the fourth installment of Who's In. Wow. Now usually I'd have some cheesy intro to start off Who's In but this week has been far too awesome for that. So in collaboration, it's only best I make an awesome episode, right? Soon, Metroid Prime 3 will be corrupting us Americans, being called by IGN the best first-person shooter ever. Biased? Probably, but that won't stop them. To celebrate the game's release, I got Ridley and Dark Samus making their debuts in this one-of-a-kind episode. So let's start off with everyone's favorite space pirate, Ridley. No, all the following information I'm about to say comes from the Ridley thread and the wikis. Ridley, one of the best known villains in the Nintendo world, a giant dragon dinosaur thing that keeps giving Samus Saran a run for her money. Er, power suit. But will he follow her into the great world of Smash? And if so, how? Here's my input. There's one big thing that people say when trying to shoot down Ridley fans' hope. They bring up his massive size. The size of 10 football fields. Okay, not really, but fair enough, he's pretty big compared to the other characters on the known roster. The Ridley fans fire back with, He can easily be resized, look at Bowser, he did. As little as Bowser was resized, 
To say the least, the argument goes on all the time in the wonderful world of Smashboards, along with arguments like, will he be Ridley or Meta Ridley? So now to the amazing Sariku review, quote by Yoko. Should Ridley be in Brawl? The suspense. Why not? Again, he's a major character in the Metroid series, and a major villain in the Nintendo universe. It would be stupid not to include him. But wait, how will he be included? Could he become the forever dreaded assist trophy? Or even better, thanks to Friday's PD Piranha update, we could see him as a boss fight in the adventure mode. This all splits down, in my opinion, to a resized version of Ridley, or a boss battle. I would actually rather see him a boss. This could make him more unique, as he could do specific actions rather than a bland moveset. But again, chances of being a playable character are still big. But this all comes down to Sakurai, and possibly first and third party developers. I mean, yes, Ridley is awesome, and yes, anything could happen after the Pokemon Trainer update. But does that make it best? We make these decisions before seeing the actual full roster. So I have to go undecided, but I'll give you this. Who would you rather see, Sonic or Ridley? Unoriginality, I tell ya. It's horrible when video games have to go to the dark side of things. Such as Dark Mario, Dark Pokemon, Dark Link, whatever. Most every video game leads into this, and it just tells me that developers got lazy. Luckily, most of them get forgotten and ignored never to see the light of day again. Except one. One brave soul continues fighting for what she believes in. Destruction and chaos. Yes, this is the story of Dark Samus. Unfortunately, there isn't much to say about this chick. She's basically Samus, but, well, dark. She's returning Monday to the Americas to continue her fight against good. But that doesn't really make her a major character. There isn't much Sakura I could do to change her up from Samus Aran, and even though most of you don't want to believe it, it's the hard truth. So what should we do with her? Make her an alternate costume for Samus? Unfortunately, it wouldn't have the same taste as the Prime suit, as Samus's suit isn't the same in Brawl. It looks like a mixture between the original games and the Prime series, but most gamers won't notice anything. I didn't notice there was a difference in the Prime suit till I joined Smashboards. So I'll finish saying that Dark Samus will most likely join the Fusion suit as an alternate costume for Samus. Which is good if you think about it. It could mean that some characters have alternate costumes that are completely different, rather than different color tints, such as Mario and Dr. Mario, Pikachu and Pichu, and anyone else that has these type of characteristics. Link Young Link anyone? Sakurai is an unpredictable guy though. He even forced me to rewrite the rest of my segment due to Friday's update. I was going to discuss whether PD would be a playable character, but resized against one of my personal favorites, Bowser Jr. But with the massive boss update we got, it made me rewrite the last half of the segment. But he hasn't yet confirmed Bowser Jr., so I'm going to jump on him before word of him is announced. I mean, I barely made it in time for the Diddy Kong update, right? Bowser Jr., Mario's newest major enemy since the Koopa King himself. Now don't confuse Bowser Jr. with Baby Bowser or Koopa Kid though. 
all three are different people. In fact, erase Koopa Kid from your mind. He's just some genetic enemy from the Mario Party games. Baby Bowser, on the other hand, starred in Yoshi's Island and was just Bowser as a child. Bowser Jr. is his son, mother unknown. So to get down to it, I am reviewing the son of Bowser, Bowser Jr., appearing in the first time in Super Mario Sunshine, claiming Peach was his mama, then appearing in the new Super Mario Bros. After those, you can just count him in the Mario Sports titles. But after all that, he's still best known for the Sunshine appearance, which comes to the conclusion. Will he ever use the loved graffiti brush? Or after that, will he have the ability to become Shadow Mario? And the biggest question, will he finally get to claim Peach as his prize? So many questions, such little time. So let's start off with this, the paintbrush. I say yes, Bowser Jr. would then be too far much like Bowser. I suppose it's possible for Diddy Kong to be a weaker version of Donkey Kong, but faster. And Bowser Jr. being a weaker version of Bowser, but faster. But then it seems like a waste. Again, it depends on what Sakurai wants to do with the characters, or how he wants them to vary. Bowser Jr. being extremely unique with the paintbrush. So let's just hope for that. What else should we hope for? We shouldn't hope for Shadow Mario. That just equals lame, in my opinion. We already got Mario, and he doesn't differ much from Shadow Mario at all. Shadow Mario could use a co could be a costume of Mario. Not a special move of Bowser Jr., nor the final smash, but a costume, if that. So dare I say, Bowser Jr. is probably the best Mario character to use, assuming Dr. Mario will be out. Paintbrush for the win, Shadow Mario for... not the win. Expect him in somehow. If worse comes to worst, he could be a boss. Or even worse, an assist trophy. Oh, and be sure for him to claim Peach as his prize when he wins. Because that's how he rolls. And that's it for episode 4 of Who's In. Best episode yet? Tell me. Post in the Show Me Your News thread with a suggestion, feedback, or my favorite, a review of my session. Oh, and kudos to myself for my Diddy review of success. And with that, I'm Sariku, and may the force be with you. Alright, Sariku. My opinion is that despite Friday's update about boss fights, Ridley's gotta make the playable roster cut. Metroid needs another representative, and Dark Samus would be too close to that of a clone. With that complete, now it's time to get ready for this week's... Brawl Viewpoint. This week's Brawl Viewpoint comes to us from Super Smash Master. Marth and Roy set the standard of Japan-only characters in Super Smash Bros. Melee, but what about this time around in Brawl? Let's take a listen at what Super Smash Master has on his mind regarding which Japan-only characters would make great additions to Brawl. Hello, my name is Sean, or as I am known on the boards, Super Smash Master. My Brawl viewpoint has to do with Japan-only characters in the game. Now obviously, there are several Japan-only characters that people would love to be in the game. Japan-only characters can be new and exciting. They bring characters that you've never heard of and help you learn about the games that you may have never played before. IGN recently did one of their Smash It Up segments about Japan-only characters. They used examples such as Lip from Panel Depon, Prince Richard from Kairu no Tamani Kane wa Naru, 
Yeah, I've never heard of him either. Takamaru from Nazano Murasame, the Exclamation Warriors from Exclamation Warriors Sakeburian, and Staffy from the Legend of Staffy series. Now, Sakurai himself has said that he wanted to try to stay away from Japan-only characters, but that he wasn't totally opposed to the idea either. Well, I am here to talk about Japan-only characters that I think have the best chances out of many people who have been wanting. Now, the number of these characters who could make it in and their chances depend on how many characters are in the final roster. But if we have a final roster of 40 to 45, I could see all of these characters in the game. So let's get started. First of all, let's get the obvious stuff out of the way. I personally think Mother 3 characters are definitely going to replace the Mother 2 characters from Smash 64 and Melee. Ness is old news. I mean, his game was on the SNES. He's not really what I'd consider retro either, since the Mother series is still around. That's why I think Lucas will replace Ness. Of course he will probably be an improved clone of Ness, kinda like what Ike seems to be for Marth. By the way, Sakurai was holding off to try to put Lucas in Smash 64, but then Earthbound 64 got canned. Then he was also holding off to replace Ness with Lucas in Melee, but Mother 3 wasn't released yet. Lucas was also mentioned multiple times on Sakurai's poll. Is it finally time for Lucas to be in Brawl? I think so. Another character I want to recognize is another character from the Mother series. This is Klaus. Klaus is Lucas's younger brother. Don't quote me on that. Now I know what you're thinking. Klaus is just Lucas with orange hair. Well, this is where you'd be wrong. For this character to appear, he would obviously appear in the form he appears later in the game. Not many people know this, but Klaus is killed early on and disappears. But he is later brought back as an evil cyborg general working for the main bad guy. He has a robotic helmet which looks an awful lot like Luke's helmet from Star Wars. He also has a beam sword, a gun on his arm similar to Samus, and pig bombs. He would be a perfect fighter. Now if Lucas makes in the game, Klaus would probably make it in too. Sakurai did say that he wanted more mother characters. But don't expect Klaus if Ness returns without Lucas. Klaus was mentioned multiple times on the poll, just like Lucas, so he is obviously wanted. Now this is where we get to the obscure stuff. Here I'm going to go back to one of the characters I mentioned earlier, Takamaru. Many people may know him as the samurai that starred in the Famicom game that was the sister game to Zelda. Takamaru was mentioned three times on Sakurai's poll. Sakurai also said that he was going to preview some old NES games for possible brawlers and Takamaru's game was one of those previewed. Takamaru's game was also re-released on the GBA not too far back. It was also on a Music Split CD with Zelda. Takamaru isn't completely forgotten. Now, if Sakurai was going to bring in a Japan-only character, Takamaru would be it. He is obviously very popular in Japan. His Japanese sword style would differ greatly from Link's and Ike's more European style. Also, a stage based on feudal Japan would have great potential. I think Takamaru has great chances to be rebirthed for this game. Another retro Famicom character that scored many times in the poll, twice to be exact, is Sakapan from Joy Mech Fight. Joy Mech Fight was Nintendo's only other fighting game besides Smash. It featured Rayman-style robots who fought each other. Now, Sakapan would be an incredibly easy character to create and would also have lots of personality. If you didn't know, Sakapan is made up on several pink spherical pieces. He attacks in very odd ways such as ballet dancing and shooting copies of his head at the enemy. Now, I can't source this, but I do believe Sakapan was on the pole for Melee too. The ease of creating a model for him should give no excuse not to add him to the roster. This is another odd character to watch out for. Now I will end the list with one of my top hopefuls, besides Klaus of course. 
I am of course talking about Demiru. He is the oddball hero of Tomato Adventure for the GBA. This was a wonderful Japan-only RPG created by Intelligent Systems, the creators of Advance Wars and Paper Mario. Demiru is a very cute cartoony looking guy. He wears odd clothes that I can't really describe. He's just a really cute appealing character. He attacks with various gimmicks, which are over-the-top attacks dealing with yo-yos, robots, monsters, and pretty much everything you could imagine. If you couldn't already tell, I'm having real trouble describing the guy due to how over-the-top he is. I would suggest checking out the thread about him for more information. But the reason I say that he could get in is the fact that he was requested twice on the poll. Rumor has it, this guy intrigues the hell out of Sakurai, and for good reason. I would personally love to see him in the game. Well, that's my two cents. Thanks for listening. Great job, Super Smash Master! I think Japan-only characters fit nicely into the Brawl universe to get their franchises more exposure worldwide, but it should probably be kept to two or so to put a limit on things. That'll do it for this week's... Brawl Viewpoint. Would you like to hear your Brawl opinions and views played here on Show Me Your News? Send a WAVE, MP3, or a WMA file with you discussing a topic of your choosing to dojopodcast at gmail.com. That's D-O-J-O-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. And you may hear your voice and rant featured and heard as the next Brawl Viewpoint. You may also get your views heard by sending your discussion in text format to D-O-J-O-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com to have Yoko read your opinions on the air. Suggested length for discussion is roughly 1.5 to 2 pages in length, single-spaced. Submissions will be taken through the Friday before the episode's premiere. And that'll do it for this week's episode of Show Me Your News. I'd like to personally thank Super Smash Master for sending in his Brawl Viewpoint, and Sariku Uchiha for his bi-weekly dedication to the podcast with Who's In. I'm always in need of your viewpoints, so please don't be afraid to send them on in. I don't want to have to beg you for all for community support now. Please? <laughs> My name is Yoko, and you can either post on the Show Me Your News topic and general Brawl discussion, private message me, or email me at dojopodcast at gmail.com for feedback and suggestions for next time. Next week, like every week, I'll go over the week that was on smashbros.com. How did we not get a stage this week? That's beyond me, but regardless, I'm hoping for this week to see my main return with Captain Falcon. We're due to see a returning veteran, but hey, newcomers are quite welcome as well. With that, I'm Yoko, and I'm out. This has been Show Me Your News, your weekly weekend podcasting source recapping the biggest news in anticipation of Super Smash Brothers Brawl. All support comes from the Smash World forums at smashboards.com and from the Smash Brothers blog at www.smashbrawl.com. This week's shout-out goes to Genji. He posted some new Famitsu scans and general brawl discussion this week. Awesome new screenshots. Thanks a ton, man. Show me a news!
It's time for the answers to the Yoko Melee Sound Effect Contest. Alright, here we go. Number one was Bowser's Koopa Claw. His side B, his front B. I don't care how you said it, but that's really what it was. Now, Roy's Blazer was number two. Now, yes, it is the same thing as Marth's Dolphin Slash. I didn't realize it at first, but after careful listening, they are both the same sound effect. So Roy's up B, Marth's up B, Blazer, Dolphin Slash, whatever you put, you got it right. Number three is Ice Climbers' Shield Break when they get dizzy. Yeah, I know it's got that really high squeaky voice, but it is the Ice Climbers. Popo, Nana, I don't care which. It's just all Ice Climbers to me. Number four. I originally thought it was just Mewtwo's side throw, but it turns out it's actually his up throw as well. So, up throw and side throw, those worked. But it's not his back throw. That's definitely a different sound. And number five. It's not Peach, it's not Young Link, it's Zelda's Furore's Wind, her up B. So, yep, those are the five. Now, here are the winners. Sniper Rye and Colbusman correctly identified all five sounds, as did Second Stamp. But Second, you only said Mewtwo's throw, and because his back throw wasn't the sound, would make me a little picky, but I'm going to give you props as well. Well done, guys. This is a whole lot of fun. Now this week I'm really pressed for time. I gotta get ready for college and moving in and all that fun stuff. So I really don't have time to do anything for an Easter egg here at the end. But next week, I'm gonna really try to have something really special for you guys. I'm trying to get a music sample done and it should be really off the hook or whatever terminology that you want me to use. So anyway, thanks a lot for listening this week. Congratulations to Sniper Eye, Colbusman, and Second Stamp, the winners of the Yoko Melee Sound Effect Contest. And I'll see you next week.